This is the Scott Thompson Show podcast. We got a letter from uh, Glenn Tebow's people, Ministry of uh, Energy for the province of Ontario, and asked us if we wanted an interview. So, of of course, we said yes. We held this interview yesterday after I got off the air. And this is what Minister of Energy Glenn Tebow had to say about your soaring electricity bills. Here is your interview. Joining us is Minister of Energy and MPP for Sudbury, uh, Glenn Tebow is with us. Good afternoon, Glenn. How are you doing today? I'm doing well. Yourself? Good. Thanks very much for taking the time to join us. We greatly appreciate this. I'm, I'm sure you're a busy guy uh, out and about selling this. First of all, uh, let's hear what has been the feedback uh, to uh, from people who are complaining about soaring energy rates, and, and what is their response to the rebate that your government has offered? So I, I think, uh, you know, when, it, when we're talking about the rebate, it's twofold, right? So we're hearing from folks in urban areas, and I'm hearing from folks that are talking to me from, you know, northern areas or from, from rural areas as well. Because what we've done is a three-point plan. And the first plan, as I'm sure you're well aware, is we're taking 8% off everybody's rate. So families, uh, small businesses, and farms will see an 8% rebate off of the uh, the HST on their bill, so the provincial portion. But for those folks that live in rural areas or in my part of the woods in, uh, in northern Ontario, they're going to see a 20% reduction on their delivery charge because they're paying a proportionally higher amount for the supply of energy to, uh, to get to them. So we're doubling that almost to, uh, to really help uh, those folks out. But this 8% also applies to small businesses and farms. And then for some of our larger players, we also have uh, another program that we're going to open up for them called the uh, Industrial Conservation Initiative. Why has it taken the uh, taken the pri- or the premier so long to address this? I mean, this is something that people have been complaining about for an awfully long time. Why is she just acknowledging there's a problem now? Well, I think the important thing to recognize in terms of why now is, you know, we've built a system over the last 10 years that's safe and reliable, and now we want to take it to the next level to ensure that we can make it as affordable as can be for as many people. And for me, um, you know, I've, I've been in this job now for three months. Uh, I've, you know, one of the first things that she tasked me with three months ago was to try and find ways that we can continue to put downward, you know, pressure on rates. Uh, you know, some people were talking about by-election loss and all of these other things. And I think, Scott, as you and I know, I, I wish government would be as nimble as that. But, you know, this has been something that we've been working on for a while. Lots are saying, Glenn, that this is just a Band-Aid solution, that it, it's giving us our own money back and that there's another increase coming on the way. Uh, and this really just doesn't change the system at all. Should not we be looking at some ways to reduce all of this as opposed to just giving us our own money back in the form of a rebate? So, you know, it, it's important, I think, to, to talk about a few things on this. We've been looking at ways to continue to have rate mitigate, mitigation, put downward pressure on rates for, for the last few years. We renegotiated the Samsung agreement through the Green, uh, uh, the green Energy Initiative. That's a $3.7 billion in savings. We're continuing the operations uh, safely and reliably uh, for Pickering, which is a $600 million savings. Through our long-term energy plan, our renewable energy price review, actually was a $1.9 billion savings. So we've been doing what we can to continue to find ways to, to lower rates, to have that downward pressure. But really, no government, no utility, no distribution company can actually you know, predict the future. And so we will make sure that we continue to find systems and processes to actually help people who are having difficulty paying their bills. 
But isn't this just robbing Peter to pay Paul in order to make it appear that our electricity uh, bills are lower? You talked about renegotiating some of these deals. Shouldn't we spend more time doing that and and rethinking the Green Energy Act? A lot are questioning whether we're getting our bang for our buck on this. Well, and you know what? I, I would agree with that because I think looking at all sections of where we can try and find you know, uh, savings for ratepayers is key. And that's what we've been doing. That's what I'll continue to do and try and find ways and look at that. In terms of making sure that, you know, we, as you said, uh, you know, taking from one pocket or putting it into another, however you phrased it, we are actually on track to balance our budget next year. And so when we've done all of this heavy lifting, it's been the Ontario families that have been part of that. So the first beneficiaries of our our balance books should be Ontario families, and we can afford to do that now. So you know what? I think it's important that we recognize and do that, and that's what we're seeing with this 8% reduction and with the 20% reduction uh, uh, in the rural areas as well. That covers this year off. There's still more increases on the way. Uh, Will there be other uh, rebates to offset future increases? I mean, um, you know, at the end of the day, these increases have become a, a regular part of the household in Ontario. So we've said that this 8% reduction is going to be a permanent reduction. So at the end of the day, um, whatever your total electricity cost is going to be, it will have an 8% reduction. So if it grows, um, then, you know, so will that reduction, so will that rebate. Uh, When it comes to the 20% reduction, it's the same thing. I want to make sure that we continue to look at how that that embedded cost, because that was a $31.50 reduction that folks in rural areas were getting on a regular basis, Scott, but that's embedded in the bill. They don't see that. And so what we want to do, and what I want to ensure is that that started in 2002. That $31 started in 2002, and it stayed the same. It never increased for inflation. It never looked at any other increases that was happening in the system. I want to ensure, and so part of the legislation that I'm implementing is going to talk about making sure that we can continue to look at finding ways that we can mitigate those rates to make sure that people can pay you know, what they can when it's affordable. Because as I said before, we've been working on this for 10 years, building a system that's safe, reliable, and clean, um, and that's something we all should be proud proud of. But at the same time, I understand that some people are having a hard time with it. And that's why we come with this system and some processes to help. We certainly understand that this is a, uh, a, a project for Premier Wynne and something that, that is dear to her heart. And, and I'm sure all Canadians, not just Ontarians, want to save a, a, or provide a greener planet for, for their kids or grandkids. But it seems that everybody is green now. At what point do we say to ourselves, the, the amount of money we're putting out of this, we're not getting, or the money, amount of money we're putting into this, we're not getting out of it. Uh, we're green. We've eliminated the coal power plants. That, that's like 10 years ago now. And, and we're making great strides. Do we have to carry the weight of the world of, cl- of climate change on our shoulders and the expense of this? At what point do we say, you know what, Ontario's doing very, very well. That's something to be proud of. But now we got to ease off and, and, and give some relief to, 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 to taxpayers who are, who are really shouldering this. Yeah. So in terms of coal, 
Um, the process started 10 years ago, but it just ended um, about a year and a half, two years ago. And for the first time, we've went without smog days. And in terms of costs, we're saving our, our health care system $4 billion. Not that I want to open up that conversation with you now, Scott. I'm still talking energy, but there is that savings piece as well. And I think it's important to recognize that the Independent Financial Accountability Officer refuted many of the claims made about our electricity and our energy policy. And he confirmed that the average family on Ontario spends less money on electricity than in every other province except British Columbia. But that doesn't change the fact that I recognize that there is still some difficulty for some families, for some farms and for businesses. But that's why we acted. That's why we're taking action now. But I continue to try and look at ways. You know, we have six programs. We have the Ontario Energy and Tax uh, Property Tax Credit for Energy, the Save on Energy Program, the Ontario Electricity uh, Support Program, LEAP, and, you know, one more. But I want us to look at value for money to make sure that all of these programs are doing what they're supposed to be doing if we need to help folks that, that are there. But, you know, let's make sure that we, we continue to have this safe, reliable and clean system. The pro- uh, progressive conservatives say they can meet these targets without the pain that is that Ontarians are going through now uh, without a new term, which seems to be created under this government. And that's energy poverty. They say they can do it without this all of this pain. What's your response to that? They can do what? Um, I, I whatever it is, whatever it is that you guys are trying to do, Glenn. <laughs> so, so reduce um, our GHGs. Uh, so, from my understanding, with the progressive conservatives, is they haven't offered any plan. I haven't heard anything from them other than just shaking their fist at us. And so, if they can do this. You know, great. I'd love to hear from uh, the official opposition to tell us what their plan is. I've heard nothing from Patrick Brown on what he's going to do in relation to uh, addressing, you know, our, our, our uh, you know, cap and trade or our climate change action plan. They don't talk about any of that, that stuff. They just try to poke holes rather than offer some debatable ideas. Uh, how concerned are you that people, are Ontarians, are shaking their fist at Premier Wynne over this issue? I mean, people um, are, people are I, I hear it every day, Glenn, people are extremely upset about this. I, you know, I'm not going to disagree with that, and I think that's why we've taken action. Part of what I've heard from folks in northern Ontario and in southern Ontario and in all parts is, yep, you know what, some are having difficulty. And for those that are, for some people that are upset, and for some people that, you know, have a hard time, you know, meeting those bills, that's why we've put in these place, these programs, right, the ones that we've announced now. But even before that, as I talked, we had those six programs in place. We got rid of the debt retirement charge early for families. So, you know, we're doing everything we can to ensure that we still can flick the light switch and have the power that we need to keep it safe and reliable. We've made sure that it's clean. And now I think the important thing to do is bring it to the next level and make it as affordable as can be. Do you think there may be any sort of relief on the way once uh, this government introduces cap and trade, which of course will add more costs to the lives of Ontarians? Will there be any more rebates heading into that project, do you think? So, so understanding uh, cap and trade, I think, is the, the great thing about uh, looking this uh, in terms of, you know, when we're talking about that specifically. So we've always been very transparent that our cap and trade program is going to cost about $5 more a month on um, your gas bill. And in terms of uh, fuels for your vehicle, you know, that's going to bring a little bit of an increase as well. So some people are using the term about $13 a month. 
the great thing about cap and trade is we've got programs in place. So let me pick um, electric vehicles. That's the one that's on the top of my head. We have rebates in place for people to buy uh, electric vehicles. So up to $14,000 if you wanted to get an electric vehicle. We're also going to offer free charging um, for the whole year. So if people actually find ways of, you know, changing their behavior, getting these, you know, programs, even if it's a heat pump, you know, that, that help with the heat in your home, these are going to actually um, help with your reduction of GHG's emissions. And when those GHG emissions are reduced, that also lowers your costs. So that's the good thing about cap and trade is if you can participate in it and you can lower your costs. So it, it, it lowers the impacts that families will feel and that businesses will feel as well. What I'm hearing, Glenn, on the phones is too much, too fast. We're doing more than our share. It's time to put the brakes on this. You're feeling on that. Um, you know what? I, I, I'm actually pretty proud of what we've done in terms of making sure that we're a leader. Um, and then when I mentioned the financial accountability officer earlier when he was talking about that, we've done all the heavy lifting that we need to do when it comes to uh, green energy. Now, everyone's going to have to catch up to what we've done. So I'm hearing what people have to say, but we've still got, you know, the North American uh, electricity reliability standards that we need to meet and ensuring that we have the capacity every day that we don't have our rolling blackouts or our rolling brownouts and, and blackouts again is key for us. So we're meeting our capacity. We're doing it with renewable energy. We're, we've extended the life of Pickering. Uh, you know, we're continuing operations safely and reliably, and that's going to save us $600 million. But that's coming offline in 2022 with uh, two, uh, two plants, and then the full shutdown will start in 2024. We need to start thinking about how we're going to replace, you know, those 3,000 megawatts of, of energy that we, electricity that we rely on. So we're looking at ways to do that with sustainable renewable energy won't that be won't that uh, power that we lose through nuclear won't that be uh, just used up by the power that we're selling to other people for less than the rate that we should be so th- there's two things on that so we're not we're not losing money on that so you hear one side of the ledger right so the lots of talk right now about when we sell to michigan we're selling at lower lower rates but when michigan needs power from us it's a market and we sell that at 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 you know whatever the market is telling us and at the end of the day in 2015 our system operator made 230 million dollars in the sale of electricity but the second part of that is that we need to produce that electricity, right? So we have peaks that we need to ensure that we have enough electricity to meet. And, and as I mentioned earlier, the North American Electricity uh, Reliability Council, their standards must state that we have to have between 8% and 15% of uh, excess capacity. So we have to produce that to meet our standards. And so I'd much rather us sell that and then make money at the end of the day than just lose it here in the province. So, you know, there's a little bit of misnomers in that, and I'm glad I was able to clarify that because we do make money and it is something that we have to produce. Minister of Energy and MPP for Sudbury, Glenn Tebow has been with us. Minister, thanks very much for the time and insight. Much appreciated. Nice talking to you, Scott. You're listening to The Scott Thompson Show, weekdays from noon to 3 on AM 900 CHML. Uh, Let's bring in Patrick Brown, leader of the Ontario Progressive Conservative Party. He is with us now. Hello, Patrick. How are you today? I'm doing great, and it's nice to be back on your show. Thanks for coming. We certainly do appreciate having you here. Uh, what's your take on all this? And, I mean, we just had Glenn Tebow on, and basically say, he said as rates go up uh, with the HST rebate, so do our savings. How do you think that's going to sit with Ontarians? 
you know, boy, can these guys spin. Uh, what they've done is they've canceled the 10% rebate, which is the clean energy benefit, replaced it with an 8% rebate, so you're, it's actually less relief, you're even paying more, and they had a throne speech to unveil it. Um, normally, what you, you do for a significant new government agenda, it's a shell game. The rates are going up on November 1st. Every month when you get your hydro bill, it will continue to go up and up and up. And I challenged the premier in the legislature. I said, you're doing all this window dressing, but when will you actually change the failed policies? The Auditor General says your failed policies have meant Ontario has been overcharged $37 billion. When will you actually acknowledge the mistake you've made and correct course? In the last three years, because of these renewable contracts that the government has signed for 25-year deals at uncompetitive market rates, we, we've given away $3 billion in the last three years to Michigan, to Pennsylvania, to New York. Kathleen Wynne has been the best Minister of Economic Development that Michigan and Pennsylvania ever had in their history. Hmm. Uh, the energy credit, your energy critic says that you guys can do all of this stuff without the pain. Uh, and, and, you know, when I asked, when I presented this to Glenn Tebow, he said that he hasn't heard your plan, that you guys are, all you're doing is uh, sitting on the side of the fence lobbing rocks, and that there's, uh, that you guys have not presented any plan. What is it that you guys can do any different? How can you do what they've done cheaper? Two big things that I challenge the, the government on, and, you know, they don't like to listen to the question period. Sometimes I ask questions and they don't even, well, rarely do they ever answer. So the two things that I've called on the government to do, and what my plan is, is one, stop signing any new agreements. Right now they're signing new agreements almost every month, um, and all, all these energy contracts that we're signing, we can't use, so we have to give it away. And in some cases we have to pay other states to take it. On average, we're, we're signing eight, eight, 8 cents a kilowatt and selling it at 2 cents. It doesn't make any sense to be signing these mega contracts. The only thing that, that, that would explain it is the fact that 99% of the recent contracts are major donors to the Ontario Liberal Party, that the wind and solar companies, the mega contracts from companies in South Korea and China, have given $1.3 million to the Ontario Liberal Party. That leaves an appearance that bad policy has been bought, the whole cash per access campaign finance scandal that we heard so much about at Queen's Park. So my starting point is no new contracts. The second portion of my plan is to stop the fire sale of Hydro One. All indications are that with this fire sale, we lose complete control of future rate increases. The financial accountability officer has said it's reckless. 200 municipalities have signed resolutions um, by the government's own independent oversight. It says this is a net loser after two years. It's just the government using one-time budget money um, to, to make it look like the, the books are balanced when they're not. So I would immediately stop the fire sale of Hydro One. And that's where we, that's where we differ. One, I'd stop signing contracts, and I wouldn't go through with the fire sale. Uh, that being said, it's, you know, progressive conservatives for a long time have wanted to privatize. Would you do anything different with Hydro One? I mean, you know, it wasn't that long ago well, that, actually, you know, the, the 407 actually, went out. Yeah, and in all honesty, uh, I I think the four I wasn't old enough to vote when when that uh, four hundred seven uh, privatization happened. But uh, um, I, in retrospect, I think it was a bad deal for Ontario, mm-hmm. um, and I and I don't support um, what happened there. I think we should learn from it. And in terms of the well, you know what, Patrick? Patrick, you're the first one I've ever heard admit that. Good for you. 
And, and in terms of the um, Hydro One privatization, yes, he did look at it, but after looking at all the facts, he backed away, and it was a bad deal for Ontario. And so I find it completely bewildering that Kathleen Wynne uh, is pursuing this so uh, aggressively. And so absolutely, I'm 100% against this fire sale, this privatization of Hydro One. So what do you do? Would you do portions of it? Would you do something similar? Or would you just leave it alone? No, I, 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 would, I would leave it alone. Um, you know, do I think Hydro One can be run better? Um, absolutely. Would I look at efficiencies within, within Hydro One? Absolutely. But what they're doing um, is the exact opposite. They're loaning groups money to buy shares at devalued rates. They gave the new CEO a $4 million paycheck. Um, you know, the, the CEO of Hydro-Quebec is 400000 Kathleen Wynne just gave a $4 million paycheck for, and $20 million in compensation for the executive to essentially do whatever they want. Um, it's just not right. And like I said, it all comes down to why is the government doing this? Ontario now has the highest energy prices in North America. This summer we passed Hawaii as having the highest hydro bills. By the government's own admission, hydro prices are going to go up 42% by 2018. And, and this doesn't make sense other than the fact all these companies that got the contracts are major donors to the Ontario Liberal Party. Of the companies that got the contracts, 99.4% have been there helping Liberal Party coffers. It smells horribly. All right, uh, I have to ask you about the Scarborough by-election and the whole sex ed curriculum thing. Everybody thought that's the way that election was going to go. Obviously, soaring electricity rates turned out to be the big issue. Some have questioned the timing on you wanting to, or, or the memo or whatever that came out that said that you wanted to scrap the sex ed curriculum and start over. Uh, quickly, that was, that position was clarified, and, and you said you would not do that. Uh, what do you say in regard to people who are still questioning the timeline of that? So first of all, in, in Scarborough Rouge River, that was might have been the safest Liberal seat in the province, a seat they'd never lost. Um, they lost it because of hydro prices. Um, and I realized a letter went out when I was up north, um, and I, it didn't reflect my opinion. And uh, um, I went out on Twitter right away to clarify that I wanted sex education remained in the, in the school system, and I penned my own op-ed. Um, I didn't want anyone voting for our, our party on our false promise. Anyone that thought that I would be getting rid of sex education, uh, I didn't want them voting for my candidate on, on a false premise. And I'd say it's very unusual for a politician to write an op-ed apologizing, acknowledging the mistake and taking full responsibility. And, you know, um, everything that happens under my watch or my team the buck stops at me. I'm responsible. And that's why I wrote a letter of apology. That's why I wrote an op-ed. And I didn't wait until the by-election was over. I did it four days in advance of the by-election to make it unequivocally clear where I stood. And I think in politics, if you do the right thing, then things end up turning out an end. And you know what? Um, people thought I might have blown that by-election for our party by writing that op-ed, apologizing, acknowledging a mistake. We end up going up on the polls, and we won by a very comfortable margin in a seat that we had never won. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm proud that I did the clarification. I'm proud that I apologized. I thought it was the right thing to do. Uh, that seemed to be the about-face when uh, Premier Wynne started chatting about electricity rates. Do you think that was the catalyst for, these, for this, le- uh, this HST drop? I think it's an act of uh, desperation. I, I think the government is still in disbelief that they lost one of their safest seats that was viewed as a liberal fortress. Even when the Conservatives won majorities in the mid-'90s, they got uh, they got creamed in that riding, and so um, I think a lot of nervous liberals and they and they thought they had to do something. Unfortunately, 
all they're doing is a Band-Aid solution. Like I said, taking it with a 10% rebate, replacing it with an 8% rebate, they can't trick voters. They've been trying to do that for too long. When the average family gets their hydro bill in October and it goes up, and then it goes up again in November and December and January and February, and there's no change, and it actually gets worse, I can tell you people are going to get even angrier at Kathleen Wynne and Glenn Tebow. They're not willing to do the real changes they need to, and until they're willing to stop signing these contracts and stop the fire sale of Hydro One, it's going to get worse. And, and ultimately, voters are going to continue to get fed up. All right. This past week, uh, the government has introduced HOT lanes on uh, the stretch of Highway QEW between Burlington and Oakville, taking a current HOV lane and turning it into, uh, obviously, if you still carpool, you, or if you car, carpool, you can still ride in it free, but you can also buy uh, the privilege to ride in a car uh, singly with one single driver. Uh, is this the answer? Where is this going? Uh, I'm even questioning whether the flow is at the point where these lanes are even worth paying for at this point. Where's your head in all this? I think it's just another revenue grab. This government is is, is so um, short on funds because of their mismanagement, their waste, and their scandals. They're looking at it any way they can, you know, have new taxes. And, you know, it's one thing if there was a toll on, on a road that people hadn't paid for, some new road, the gov- new road the government was constructing, but they're putting a toll on a road that's already been paid for. Um, I, I, I'm just tired of the fact that there's new costs everywhere we look. Whether it's your hydro bills or toll roads, new licensing fees, it's too much. Uh, do you think that this is something that your government would scrap? Would it scrap HOT lanes? Would it scrap yeah. HOV lanes? Yeah, so we haven't, we're not going to come up with our platform until closer to the election, but let, let, let me say I'm not a fan of of these toll roads and roads that people have already paid for. Um, and, you know, not not to presume our policy process as a party, um, but, you know, talking to our MPPs and, and those in our, on our team, uh, I see very little support for keeping them. All right. Uh, Hydro One, uh, on the heels of what you were talking about in regard to the sale, uh, it's just been announced as well as the, that the union is going to uh, sue the government over that. What are your comments on that? Good for them. I, I, you know, I think this is a reckless deal for Ontario. I'm glad that people are fighting the government. I'm glad that 200 municipalities have passed resolutions. I'm glad that the government's being challenged. This, you know, I realize that the syndicate doing the sale did a major fundraiser for the Liberal Party, and and I know Kathleen Wynne's grateful. Um, you know, big fundraiser, $165,000 with the Minister of Finance and Minister of Energy right at the time of the sale. But this is a horrible idea for Ontario. This is a $700 million revenue tool um, that we're giving away forever. We've had this since 1908. We're going to lose all control over future rate increases. Um, the financial accountability officer appointed by the government has come out with a damning report saying this would be short-sighted and after two years, a net loss for Ontario. There's no public mandate for this. Kathleen Wynne needs to stop her obsession with this Hydro One fire sale. It, it is not in the best interest of Ontario. All right, here's a local Hamilton question for you, Patrick. If the PCs are elected in 2018, will, this, will his party uphold Wynne's commitment to provide $1 billion for LRT or other public transportation in Hamilton, uh, says Max on an email. So what's your commitment to LRT in this city? So I, I gave a speech in the summer in Hamilton, and I said we would honour uh, existing infrastructure uh, commitments. And, you know, I, I was a two-term city councillor in, in Barrie and a finance chair, and I think we have to work collaboratively with our municipalities. And so if this project is continues to be 
um, the priority for Hamilton City Council, then a progressive conservative government would work collaboratively with them and honor the commitments that have been made. Patrick Brown has been with us, leader of the Ontario Progressive Conservative Party. Patrick, thanks for making time. Much appreciated. My pleasure. You're listening to The Scott Thompson Show, weekdays from noon to 3 on AM 900 CHML. All right, let's go to the phones. Jack is on the line. Something you want to say, 905-645-3221, star 9900 on your cell. Uh, Jack, as rates go up, so do your savings. How do you feel oh, about that? aren't they just the most brilliant group you've ever heard? It's amazing. I mean, what blows my mind, Scott, is that the electorate deserves the government they elected. Correct. And these people, uh, whether they make thirty grand or twenty grand or ten grand, um, they're the ones that get hurt the most by voting for liberals or lefties. I mean, I've been listening to nine hundred now for probably two months because I got tired of the nonsense on five seventy. The uh, left wing uh, is right there, big time. They hired a 30-year-old who knows everything, you know what I mean? Terrible stuff. But anyway, uh, bottom line, I'm with 900, and a common sense prevails. And the hydro is one issue. The plates is another issue. User fees are another issue. But all these things are related to their mismanagement of all the other files. They haven't had one successful file in the history of that party in an office in Ontario. And we voted them in again. And then we complain about the rates increasing. Guess what? There's more coming. We are $300 billion in debt. We spend $1 billion a month in interest, only payments on our credit card. And we're, we're in big trouble, bud. And, 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 and people, you know, if you want to be a socialist in today's society, you have to vote conservative. My father made 9600 a year and raised seven children. He drove tow truck in the city of Toronto. And uh, we owned two houses, one rental and one we owned. What the heck happened? I'll tell you what happened. The Liberals got it in 1984 and blew it up. Hmm. You know, and I truly believe this in my heart. I, and Bob Ray is my Ward 8 alderman. When I was uh, 10 years old, I voted for him in 1990 until I, until I uh, uh, you know, started to read and started to learn and started to figure things out. And why is my store not busy? Why is my business not busy? Why, why is everybody broke? Why is uh, bankruptcy the number one financial solution for Ontarians? Like, this is just ridiculous. And people keep going and voting for who you sleep with, uh, who you kiss in the shower, what you do with conditioner in the morning. I, like, this doesn't matter to me, you know? I mean, it's about the economy, stupid, you know? All right, and Jack, thanks for the call. Much wrong. appreciated. Thanks, I hear you. I hear you. 905-645-3221, star 9900 on your cell. Let's bring in uh, Christine Van Gyne, see uh, Canadian Taxpayers Federation Ontario Director. Uh, this came to my attention this morning, and I'm sure I, 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 we recorded the interview with Thibault yesterday, so I wish I had seen this before. Otherwise, I certainly would have uh, asked him about it. But this is uh, unbelievable uh, what this petition is all about. And we'll bring uh, Christine in to explain it to you. How are you, Christine? Uh, how did you How did you stumble on this? I didn't even see this. Well, I stumbled on it because I saw it on my Facebook feed. Uh, it was advertised to me, uh, do you support lower hydro rates? I was like, gee, yeah, I, you know, I do. But then do you know who, who posted it? It was Kathleen Wynne. Sign her petition. Why does she have a petition? She has a majority government. If she wants to sign a petition, she could sign the one that we've had for years saying repeal the Green Energy Act. Or better yet, if she thinks uh, high energy bills are a problem, maybe with her majority government, she could actually do something with it. If the frustrating thing is, uh, she obviously is aware that it's a problem. But her solution is instead of actually taking action, she's going to say when she's the one with the levers of power, uh, sign my petition. It's, it's egregious. 
Uh, when I first read your press release, I didn't believe it. I had to go to the link because I thought there's no way. But sure enough, OntarioLiberals.ca uh, slash support lower hydro rate or hydro bills. And there's a picture of, of Kathleen Wynne on a, street, on a street corner talking to somebody. And it says, add your name, support lower hydro bills. The liberal plan will lower hydro bills. Uh, for every day or for every electricity customer in Ontario by 8%. Add your name to support lower hydro bills for Ontario. How how can you, like, man, her, her PR team, they should get an award of some sort for this. It's amazing. It, 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 it made my blood boil, I can tell you, because it's something we've, across the province, we've been begging the Premier, do something about lower hydro rates. Um, well, she's done that, that, Christine. She started a petition. Well, I mean, if she's in the business of, of petitioning herself, I have a few other petitions she could sign. Um, maybe she could repeal the Green Energy Act that's caused this whole mess. Maybe she could sign the petition to stop the carbon tax. It's going to see your home heating bills go up more than the cost of uh, the rebate's going to save you. Uh, there's a whole number of things the government could do if they actually cared. Uh, after all, they are the ones with power, but... Uh, you know, we, we thought, you know, we have these petitions, we submit them to the government, we ask them to do things, uh, we hope that they're listening. And they are apparently listening, but they're listening in that they're going to copy what we're doing instead of taking action. They know that action's required. And just feed it back to you. They're just feeding the same thing you're feeding them right back to you and just, uh-huh, as if, as if you're speaking a different language. It's absolutely bizarre. It is absolutely bizarre that the government... The ones who have the power to actually do something are saying, sign our petition to, to change hydro rates, to make hydro more affordable. If she knows that it's a problem, she could do something about it. Instead, Who's she even going to submit this petition to? Yeah, that... the go- they're the government. <laughs> it's, it's mind-blowing. A few things have made, I mean, Kathleen Wynne makes me pretty angry, but a few things have made me as angry as her uh, taking a petition that we've we've had thousands of people across the province sign and then and then launching her own petition. I just wish she would tackle the root problem, uh, admit that her government has caused high energy rates and do something substantial. These guys continually sell black as white. And again, we had the energy minister on at the beginning of the show, and he basically said when I was questioning the 8% uh, HST provincial rebate on, on your electricity bill, he said the great thing was as rates go up, so do your savings. What world is he living in? We're not going <laughs> to save that clip? any money. <laughs> Seriously, listen to this, Christine. This is what the energy minister said on the show about uh, an hour ago. Listen to this. At the end of the day, um, whatever your total electricity cost is going to be, it will have an 8% reduction. So if it grows, um, then, you know, so will that reduction. So will that rebate. If it grows. What are your thoughts on that? I, I, I don't even know what to say. Yeah, uh, our rates are growing. Our rates are growing more than 8% a year. Um, I guess... This, but, but this is know, the, the same the sort of... The more I pay, the more I save, but I'm paying more. <laughs> I know. But that's the same sort of mentality as this, as this petition. It's like, it's like they're, 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 so, they're, they're, they're so desperately trying to change the narrative, they're changing the language. I, I think that they don't understand how math works, or maybe they don't understand how bills work. But if your bill is higher... Um, yeah, maybe I'll, I'll save 8% off my now higher bill, but I'm still paying a higher bill. 
people at the end of the day, we care that our bills have gone up, that we pay, care that we have to pay more. Uh, he's not telling us we're paying less. He's saying, yeah, off your now higher bill, your savings will, will be, will be uh, net more. Like you save more as a dollar amount, but uh, your spending is higher. That is, I don't know what to say. That is a bizarre explanation of what they're planning. But, yeah, as, as your listeners, I've, I've said repeatedly, uh, our rates are, are rising higher and faster than any savings will, will, will make up the difference for. And in addition to that, they have a new tax that's coming into effect the same day as this rebate that's going to cost you more than the rebate will save you. So uh, we're going to be spending more come January 1st for our energy bills in our home. When did this petition come out? Is it getting any traction? Uh, well, of course, it's a, it's a Liberal Party's own petition. I haven't asked them to, uh, to to tell me how many signatures they have. But it's kind of funny when you read the comments underneath it, because as a Facebook petition, you, you can comment underneath. Uh, and, and what people are saying is, is, are you kidding me? <laughs> You're asking me to sign a petition? Why, if you, you, why don't you do something about it? Yeah. Why don't you admit that you're the ones who caused this mess? It's, it's absolutely But you, know, you bring up a very valid question. Who is the petition submitted to? Who gets that? Uh, yeah. That's, Does Glenn Tebow I, get I it? <laughs> Does she get I, it? I don't know. I mean, the truth of the matter is what the government's doing with this petition is they're building a list of people, and, and they just want your email address so that they can send you spam liberal uh, election uh, literature. But um, if you're interested in, in that, I suppose you can sign their petition. If you're interested in signing a real petition, you can come to taxpayer.com. We've been asking the government to repeal the Green Energy Act and lower hydro bills, which which that's the, the reason that they're so high. Um, or you can sign our petition that asks the government um, not to bring in effect the, the January 1st tax on our home heating bills. These are all things that would make life more, more affordable. These are all things that the government frustratingly uh, is apparently aware that people are asking for, but instead of doing anything about it, they've now launched their own petition copying Unbelievable. Doing, I uh, Christine Van Gein has been with us, Canadian Taxpayer Federation, Ontario Director. The Ontario Liberal Party has issued a petition against itself and against its own policies. Fascinating times. Thank you, Christine. Keep up the great work. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. All right, take care. Uh, we're going to bring in uh, Alyssa Freeman, Principal Alyssa PR Communications, and get her take on this. Hi, Alyssa. How are you today? Oh, my goodness. How am I? Your callers and guests, it's a firestorm today. This is, like, During first Scott first Thompson of all, show. first of all, we had Glenn Tebow, Minister of Energy, on, and I'm sure you did. You hear the comment that he said on the show about that the the great thing is is that as rates go up, so do I, your I, savings. I can't even. <laughs> you heard? Did you hear that? Yes, okay. I can't even. So there's one. Okay, the other one is the uh, the, the petition at OntarioLiberal.ca that says support lower hydro bills. Add your name to support lower hydro bills for Ontarians. And it's like Premier Kathleen Wynne talking to a guy on the street as if she's campaigning, but she's the government. Who does the petition get, 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 get given to? You know, what I always find very interesting when I'm looking at rhetoric or narrative from political campaigns is the believability of it and also the respect for the average voter. And I have to think that right now, with this particular strategy of trying to put a positive spin on the narrative of the whole hydro debacle, that the Wynn government must think that the average Ontario taxpayer is a blithering idiot. So it just shows really a, co- amount, uh, a colossal amount of disrespect. 
Now, it's true that most people just read headlines and they don't get deep into policy and they don't get deep into the details. But I will tell you that, you know, even I got a real wake-up call as to how angry people are when I was listening to the show, especially the call-in. And the people who called in are well-versed in this, in this whole situation. Mm-hmm. They're well-versed in their, their provincial politics. So I think that if the wind government is going to get Ontarians back on side, they have to be a little bit more believable, a little bit more respectful, and they really have to talk to the truth and not around the truth. It's as if it's got to the point, and, you know, and we're seeing this in the United States, not to drag in or draw any compar- oh, comparisons or parallels, but it's like if you get in front of a microphone and you say anything, it must be true. It's well, bizarre. And, and here's the thing. I mean, you know, people are also, look at the platforms that people are now using to get things out. So, you know, who would have ever thought of going to a TV doctor and uh, having him say, even though he's a cardiothoracic surgeon, not really a general practitioner, that, yeah, it, you look good on paper. Well, that seems to be good enough for everybody. Yeah. But people's, like, the bar has really lowered in terms of, you know, what acts as believability here. And I think that, you know, what the Conservatives will do um, in the ensuing months and in the whole lead-up to the the next election, which is right now far away, but really you can't leave things to the last minute in politics. And what Conservatives do really well is they start seeding a very negative, very simple message in the ears of the electorate. And right now, they're probably all sitting in their war room, have already figured it all out, that people are angry and people are mad about hydro. And everybody understands hydro, everybody understands paying a bill, and everybody understands paying too much. So if they really stick to that very high-level messaging, they can really start to make a dent in, you know, the Liberals right now have a majority government. They lost that seat, and now they're running scared. Uh, so as you look at this, and, and I'm looking at the website, and I read the press release from the Canadian Taxpayers Federation, and, and I nah, this isn't right. Something's not right here. And hit the link, and blammo, there it is. Mm-hmm. So from a PR standpoint, is this brilliant, or is it taking advantage of the electorate? Is it dumbing them down? I, I definitely think it's dumbing them down, and I think it will all, you'll see how it all starts to play out to see if it works. You know, how many people actually sign that petition? And actually, your last caller said, listen, you're only signing, giving an email address. I, was, I wrote that down. Is, is, that, is that a valid point, that yes, this is a good is. database for them? a valid point. Yeah. 100% a valid point. And I think that the, the, the funniest and, the most, and one, of the, one of the most astute things that she said was, well, basically, they're petitioning themselves. Mm-hmm. Who are they going to petition? They have a majority government. Who do they have to convince themselves? Mm-hmm. So, again, a petition, a very simple idea is, well, I'm going to sign this because I want lower rates. But do people, do they not think that people are going to think, well, gee, there's people in power. What am I asking them to see if it's a good idea? So do they want the email addresses of those that will bitch and complain? Um, and could be possibly vote? In order to build their database, so when they start sending out um, very specific rhetoric, that they will have sort of this war chest of addresses where they can talk to people directly. And that's the whole thing. Like whenever even, you know, packaged goods companies do this, you know, whatever, get one of our samples and, you know, give us a email address. And then, you know, suddenly, you know, every week or every month you start getting uh, messages from Dove or whatnot. But gathering a database and gathering email addresses is very, very powerful. 
what does this sort of tactic in 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 what um, what the energy minister had said earlier and this petition um, over and above the parties themselves? What does this say about us? What does this say about what politics has become? Well. You know, it's it's really a sad state. You know, whenever we hear a politician speak, it is very rare that they go off script. Yeah. And, you know, the way polling, polling also plays a very, very um, important part in this, Scott, because now pollsters, you know, there's always one pollster group per party. And they can take the temperature of an electric in a certain space in a, at a certain time. Even so, they can take it the night before, and then the next day, you know, that particular party kind of understands where they're sitting on this issue, and they develop their rhetoric around that. So nobody ever comes up with this. Um, oh, this seems like a good idea. Let's jump on this. I mean, mm-hmm. that does happen every now and then, but rarely. However, what they do is they look at this polling information and they think, okay, this is where people are sitting. We may have a weak spot here. We might have a warm spot here. How do we turn that around? Mm -hmm. So it is very, very manufactured. And I think it all depends on which message will hit. And whatever message seems to hit and seems to create more of a stir or gets people more on side or makes them less angry, that's the one narrative that you're going to see be perpetuated on and on and on and on. You know, sorry, to bring in another example, for example, um, Obama's birth certificate. Mm -hmm. How long have we been hearing about this? Yeah, years. Eight years? Yeah. We're still hearing about it. But it's something that puts in just a seed of negativity in the mind of the average voter. Okay, there's another great one. And in case people don't know the backstory, obviously uh, Trump keeps hit hammering that and alluding to the fact that Obama wasn't an American citizen. Of course, he has since he's proved that he's he was born in Hawaii. So it's pretty much a moot point. But now Trump won't come out and admit that. So again, at what point does the smart do the smarter people go? Well, that's just sick. And then the stupid people go, Oh, see, he's still t- he's still talking about it. I mean, really? Is that the majority? Well, you know, you only know it's the majority if the guy gets in or not. Yeah, that's true. So, and, and that's the thing. And, you know, when I see the news coverage now, the news coverage is even as is, is dumbing down. So are we, are, are we just, do we just have ourselves to blame for this? Well, I think we have ourselves, well, well, listen, we have ourselves to blame, but also, you know, the conduit of the message is somewhat also to blame. Yeah. So here, you know, for example, I open up my, uh, I didn't have to open it up, it was on the front page of the Golden Mail yesterday. Front page, above the fold, Dr. Oz says Trump is in good health. <laughs> and I really had to stare at it thinking, is this my Golden Mail? So what do you do, not report it because he used Dr. Oz? If the guy's on Dr. Oz, don't you have to report it? I think you have to report it, but what does that, how does that make that front page news? Yeah. And if you read the copy, maybe the copy of the angle discredits. Well, that's what I mean. Maybe because it's so wacky. It's like, can you believe this? He's on Dr. Oz. I don't think people see, I don't, well, I don't know. Maybe the average Golden Mail reader will actually read through to the end of the article. But the average person, you know, the way we consume news now, Scott, is in sound bites and quick. You know, if you watch um, news channels, you know, some Mm -hmm. people only get their news from the headline that they see on the ticker. Yeah, very true. You know, some people look at Twitter and they go, oh, well, breaking news, that's it. Do they click on the link? Sometimes maybe they're click on the link and sometimes I, they don't. I think what's happened is sort of the dumbing down of the electric going, ah, I, I, I have all I need to know. I'm not going to really get into this. Uh, you know, and a great example of that, I'm full of examples today, Scott. A great example of that is the Brexit. 
Yeah, yeah. What yeah, was the wo- yeah. number one Googled question the day after the Brexit vote? How do we change what it? What is the European <laughs> Union? Yeah, oh, there you go. And then how do we change it back? Well, there's no, there's no reverses on that one. Alyssa Freeman's been with us, Principal Alyssa, PR Communications, columnist, HuffingtonPostCanada.com and PR Daily. Alyssa, as always, thanks for the time, but we're out of it. Okay, Scott, speak to you soon. The Scott Thompson Show, weekdays from noon to 3 on AM 900 CHML.